Welcome to the teaching ministry of Magnolias First. For more information, visit www.magnoliasfirst.org. Well, good morning, First Family and friends. We're so glad that you've joined us for this second week of online-only worship. And once again, we are worshiping from hundreds of different places, but we are all united with one heart in worship unto the Lord. Uh, These are crazy, uncertain times. And there are so many questions like, when will we be able to touch one another again? I mean, if, if you are like me and you are a, a hugger, then you know we are in serious embra- embrace withdrawal. I mean, I almost walked outside one day this week just to hug a tree. Now, that's pretty sad. Uh, or how about this question? When will we all be able to go back to work again? Uh, with the stay-at-home orders that are in place, it's only essential businesses where people are allowed uh, to go to work. But I looked at one of those lists of essential businesses, and liquor stores were, were on the list. And, and I'm going in my mind, okay, when did tequila become a necessity for Texans? Don't answer that question. But the one question that we all want to know, and you know what it is, if you were here in the worship center, you'd be saying it out loud When will we be able to buy toilet paper again? I mean, of all the things that people would hoard in a pandemic, I didn't see that one coming. Uh, But it's been crazy. I heard about two guys who got into a fight on the paper goods aisle of a grocery store over a 12-pack of Charmin. Not really, I made that one up. But you understand, toilet paper has become the new currency. I heard about a guy who paid one of his bills with rolls of toilet paper. Now, I didn't make that one up. And my sister-in-law told me that in one of the office buildings where she works, there in the stall, there's one of those big dispensers, you know what I'm talking about, with the giant commercial roll of toilet paper? Somebody broke into the dispenser and stole the toilet paper. I mean, toilet paper thieves, for crying out loud. Uh, Who would have thought that we would move from survival of the fittest to survival of the cleanest? But that's where we are. These are crazy, uncertain days. But like I said last week, aren't you glad that when everything seems out of control, our God is still in control? And long before any of us knew that there would be a pandemic, God led our pastors to plan the sermon series that we've been involved in over many weeks, and we will conclude today a series called Alternate Route. And we've been saying all along through the series that in certain areas of our lives that the Lord has a different plan, a different path, an alternate route for us to take instead of what we would do just according to our own natural human instincts. That if we will listen to him and, and go a different way, then our lives will be better, they'll be richer, they'll be fuller, and our witness for Christ and the gospel will be stronger. And our theme statement throughout this whole series has been this. If you follow Christ... He will always show you a better way. 
And that's going to be true in what we'll be talking about today. In these days, we need direction from God more than ever. Uh, you know, there are a lot of things about which we say, been there, done that. Well, you know what? We've never been here. We've never done this before. And so we need God's directions in our lives more than ever. These are uncharted waters. And we need to listen when Jesus said, there are some things you shouldn't do. Don't do this. And he tells us this, not to take something away from us, but to protect us. And in the series, we've heard Jesus say, don't fear. And then last week, we heard him say, don't worry. Well, today, he says to us, don't doubt. Don't doubt. I looked up doubt in the dictionary, and here's how it defined doubt. Quote, a feeling of uncertainty or a lack of conviction. Now, what are the kinds of things that these times stir up in us deep inside that make us want to, maybe if we don't even admit it to anyone else, begin to doubt down in our hearts and minds? Well, I, I compiled a list. I call it the top five doubt hit list. And here are the kinds of things I think are silently creeping up into our psyches. Number five Will God take care of my finances? In a time in which the economy is uncertain and, and some people have already lost their jobs and many others, their jobs are uncertain. We just don't know what's going to happen economically to our nation and financially to us as individuals and families. We could begin to doubt, is it really true when he says, I will supply all your needs? Or this one, number four. Will God protect me from getting sick? Will God protect me from getting sick? We keep hearing the numbers rise, the number of cases of the virus and, and uh, the number of deaths and on and on, and we begin uh, to feel like it's, it's kind of crowding in around us, and we might begin to doubt, will God really protect me from getting sick? Or how about this one, number three, does God care what I'm going through? In this big world, am I nothing more than just a speck of sand on a beach somewhere to a God who's far away? Does he really care, as the Bible says he does, about what's happening to me and my family? Or number two, do my prayers even matter? All of us, let's be honest, all of us are praying more, and we have been praying more through this pandemic than we were praying before. But we could begin to doubt, am I just talking to the air? Does God even listen? Are his ears even open to my prayer? Or number one could be, is God even real at all? You see, that's what doubt begins to do. What is it that brings about those kinds of powerful, destructive doubts in, in our hearts? What causes doubt for a follower of Jesus Christ? Well, it's the kind of thing we're going through now. Uncertain times, times of stress, circumstances and situations that cause anxiety. 
And doubt can happen to anyone, even the most devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Today, we will see a story of a great spiritual man who was attacked by doubt. And I'm going to share with you in this message some weapons that I believe we can employ against doubt when we as Christ followers are called upon to respond to uncertain times. So here's our big idea, the one short summary of this whole message that I'll seek to unpack today. Your faith is greater than your doubt. Your faith is greater than your doubt. So if you have your Bibles, open them with me, please, to Matthew chapter 11. We'll begin with verse 1, Matthew 11. So either in a printed copy of the Scripture or one of your devices, or if you'd like, just follow along on the screen. We'll provide all of these verses. Matthew chapter 11. It's the experience of a man that we call John the Baptist. Uh, John the Baptist was a great man of God. He was the one that God called uh, to be the the forerunner, the predecessor of Jesus, the Messiah. And so John the Baptist, who lived in the wilderness, who preached to those who came to hear him a message of repentance and baptism, of faith and trust in God, John now in Matthew 11 finds himself in prison. So let's see the story unfold. Matthew 11, verse 1. When Jesus had finished giving these instructions to his 12 disciples, he went out to teach and preach in towns throughout the region. John the Baptist, who was in prison, heard about all the things the Messiah was doing. Now, John the Baptist was in prison, imprisoned by Herod Antipas, a Roman ruler. And he was in prison because he had called out Herod for his immoral relationship with Herodias, who was his brother's, half-brother actually, wife. And so he was thrown in the dungeon. And there in the dungeon, he heard about the things that Jesus was doing. Look at the end of verse 2. So he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the Messiah we've been expecting or should we keep looking for someone else? Now, why would John even ask these questions? John had baptized Jesus. For crying out loud, John had heard the audible voice of God. That would freak me out, by the way. But he had heard with his own ears the voice of God say, this is my son with whom I am very pleased. How could he doubt and ask those kind of questions of Jesus? Well, he could doubt for the same reasons that we can doubt because uncertain times are a breeding ground for doubt. We're in the midst of a spiritual Petri dish causing doubt to begin to grow like a fungus. John had lived in the wilderness. He was kind of the Tarzan of prophets. 
He lived out in the, in, in the wilderness. He ate locusts and wild honey. I mean, it was a little bit like, what, what's that crazy uh, program on Discovery Channel? Uh, Naked and Afraid. Have you seen that? Or they just kind of drop these people out in the jungle with no clothes on. That's, I mean, that's really crazy. Uh, John wasn't naked. He at least had the sense to wear animal skins. And John wasn't afraid. He had a calling from God. He proclaimed the message boldly. And now, John finds himself in prison. And not a kind of jail like we would think of today with maybe television privileges and wreck yard that you could go out. No, he was in a first century dungeon. And this wouldn't change for John. It wouldn't get better. He would end up being beheaded. So what could Jesus possibly say to him to ease his mind and extinguish his doubt? Let's see, verse 4. Jesus told them, Go back to John and tell him what you have heard and seen. The blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. He said, Go back and remind John that what he's going through does not change the evidences of who I am, of what I am called to do by the heavenly Father. Jesus said, this doesn't change, that I am worthy of your trust and your faith. And then in verse 6, he gives a challenge. It says, and he added, God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. He's saying to John, John, don't lose faith. Don't let this doubt grip your heart so that you bail, that you no longer believe, that you lose your sense of faith and trust in me. John, hang in there and be strong. Verse 7, as John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began talking about him to the crowds. What kind of man did you go into the wilderness to see? Was he a weak reed swayed by every breath of the wind? Or were you expecting to see a man dressed in expensive clothes? No. People with expensive clothes live in palaces. Were you looking for a prophet? Yes. And he is more than a prophet. John is the man whom the scriptures refer when they say, Look, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare your way before you. And then in verse 11, Jesus makes one of the most incredible statements about a human being in all the Scripture. He says, I tell you the truth, of all who have ever lived, none is greater than John the Baptist. Now, now, wait a minute, Jesus. Did you not hear what we said? He's doubting you. He, his, his heart is stirred with doubt. Jesus, did you not? Were you not listening? Did you not get that? Jesus heard them. Jesus knew. Jesus understood. John was dealing with a moment of doubt. But the good news for John the Baptist and the good news for us 
is this. Jesus doesn't toss you out if you doubt. It's not over just because you go through a season of doubt in the midst of turmoil. Look at what Jesus said at the end of verse 11. Yet even the least person in the kingdom of heaven, that's you and that's me. Even the least person in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he, John the Baptist, is. So he's saying to us today, even if you're struggling with moments of doubt, you can still be a spiritually great person if you'll just respond rightly. Now here's the thing about doubt. It's like fear and worry. It's not something that we do on purpose. We don't say, well, I think in the morning I'm going to have a cup of coffee and sit on the back porch and have an hour of doubt with a little bit of worry and fear sprinkled on top. We don't do that. We don't plan it on a schedule. We don't put it on our calendar and say, okay, it's coming next Tuesday, so I'm going to have to put on my big boy pants and be ready. No, no, it doesn't work like that. Listen, doubt doesn't happen according to a schedule. Doubt ambushes you when you least expect it. It reaches up and suddenly grabs you around the throat and tries to shake the faith out of you. And it can come on the heels of a great spiritual victory. Do you remember the story of the prophet Elijah? How he had a showdown on the top of Mount Carmel with the prophets of the false god Baal? And they had a standoff, and they said, you pray to your God, and Elijah said, I'll pray to my God. We'll see which one sends down fire from heaven. Elijah prayed, and God sent down fire and, and, and roasted all of the bad guys into crispy critters. I mean, what a victory it was. And yet, one word, one threat from an evil woman, and Elijah folded he curled up in a fetal position, and then he got up and ran for his life. Doubt grabbed him. It even can happen to a man as great as the apostle Peter. I mean, Peter was the one, you remember, when G Jesus said to him, hey, you are the rock, man. Peter is the one that the Catholics believe was the first pope. Peter was a great spiritual man. And I want you to see a quick story from Matthew chapter 14 where Peter did the impossible by faith. So Matthew 14, we'll begin in a moment with verse 27. Let me give you the setting. Uh, Peter and the other disciples are in the boat they're out on the Sea of Galilee. Jesus is not in the boat with them. Storms going crazy around them. And they see Jesus walking on the water coming to them. So pick it up with me, Matthew 14, verse 27. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage, I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. <laughs> Verse 29, yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. 
I mean, how awesome is that? What faith and courage it took for Peter to step out of the boat into a raging storm with nothing more to say than he could do that than Jesus saying to him, yes, come. Amazing. But then in verse 30, it all changed suddenly. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified. And began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. What happened? How could he go from faith to doubt in about two steps? Here's what happened. In that moment, Peter stopped looking at Jesus and began to look at the storm around him. And when he did that, fear and doubt gripped him. And he began to sink. Look at Jesus' response, verse 31. Then Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? You see, what happened to Peter in that storm is the same thing that can happen to us in this storm. We doubt when we take our eyes off Jesus and focus on the storm around us. If your eyes are more on the news than they are on Jesus, if your eyes are more on the numbers of people being infected than they are on Jesus, if your eyes are more on the economy and your finances than they are on Jesus, then like Peter, you too can sink into fear and doubt. And so my word to you, dear people of God, is keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus because I promise you, his eyes are on you. Look at these words for you from the word of God, Psalm 34, verse 15. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right. His ears are open to their cries for help. Verse 17, the Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. He rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. There are going to be moments in this virus and in this economy and in the isolation and all that we're dealing with, there are going to be moments when flashes of doubt are going to come. But I want to give you some good news from our story today. Your doubt does not have to diminish you. In fact, if you respond to it rightly, it can lead to discovery and deeper faith. And so when we begin to drift in this storm, when, when we begin to lose our moorings, we need an anchor. We need proof that Jesus is real and that we can trust him and that he will be faithful. And I submit to you today, we have that proof. That proof is the resurrection. 
It's the resurrection of Jesus. And the Apostle Paul understood the centrality in our faith of the resurrection, that he is the living proof that our faith is real. And in 1 Corinthians 15, he was responding to a group of people who said they didn't believe that there was going to be a resurrection of the dead when Jesus came back again, that that there would be no resurrection. And they probably weren't too sure that Jesus was resurrected. And so Paul, in responding to frame the centrality and the importance of the resurrection, said these words, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 13. For if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, then all of our preaching is useless, and your faith is useless. And we apostles would all be lying about God, for we have said that God raised Christ from the grave. But that can't be true if there's no resurrection of the dead. And if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. The Apostle Paul took us all the way through that horrible hypothetical to get us to verse 20. This is so good. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. Do you need proof that your faith is real? Do you need proof that you have a God that you can trust? Do you need proof that you can believe what he says to you? That proof is the resurrection. The resurrection is our anchor of assurance in a sea of doubt. That's why you can believe. That's why you can conquer fear. That's why you can conquer doubt. That's why you can trust him. Because when someone predicts that he will be raised from the dead, and he is, it erases all doubt. So I want to close this message with three next steps for defeating doubt. Stay with me. These are important, and then we're done. Next step number one, be aware of the storm and live wisely, but keep your focus on Jesus. Make good decisions. Take smart precautions. But all the while, through it all, keep your eyes on Jesus, not on the storm. Number two, remember how he has taken care of you in the past and trust him for the future. Your God has gotten you out of more than a few messes, am I right? He is the same God that got you out of those situations in the past, that same God is with you today. He will not abandon you. He will not forsake you. No matter what's going on, no matter what changes, you can trust him. Number three, understand that your faith grows when you trust him for what you cannot yet see. 
That's how faith grows. God's faithfulness in these times of uncertainty will allow your faith to grow stronger and bigger and deeper. So let it grow. Because son or daughter of God, your faith is greater than your doubt. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the people of God with whom I share these things you have put from your word on my heart. Lord, plant them deeply in our hearts that our faith may grow during times of uncertainty. Don't let us fall into looking too much at the storm around us and not keeping our eyes on you. Lord, remind us that faith is trusting you for those things that we cannot yet see. And bring us together through this storm with faith that is deeper and stronger than ever before. Thank you for the wonderful people of God known as Magnolias First. Lord, keep them safe, bless them, and grow their faith in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.